Blog Talk Radio. Something to give, either you have something to say, either you have someone to love, why, why, why are we here? There is a time for giving back, there is a need for one's own black. There is freedom in commitment's last So why, why, why Do we Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is March 24th, 2020, and I am really happy to bring on uh, Stanton Peel. Stanton Peel has been writing books for four decades. His first one he wrote with Archie Brodsky, Love and Addiction, 1975. And he has been a leader in having other voices heard on other forms of treatment for substance use disorder. Some of them are the meaning of addiction, the diseasing of America, the truth about addiction and recovery, seven tools to beat addiction, addiction proof your child. He also wrote a book with uh, Ilsa Thompson, and that book is called... um, Recover, stop thinking like an addict, right? And uh, I'm going to bring Stanton on right away. Here we go. Hello, Stanton. Welcome to the show. Monica, we hardly get together anymore now that there's a, a ban on travel. We've, <laughs> uh, we've, done, we've dined in California. We've, we've been interviewed together on the uh, in New York. Mm-hmm. And now... We're separated forever by the coast, for God's sake. Yeah, really. You're just really getting excited about this, you know. Mm. Uh, I think about other rants I could get on, but uh, let's, I'll, I'll try to stay focused here. As difficult as that might be, I really appreciate you writing on this uh, rebuttal to the New York Times. But first, I do want to say that I think that reason that we even saw this is that there were a couple of pieces that did make it to the New York Times, and they were op-ed pieces written by uh, some women who uh, didn't really favor it. And that was uh, another girl, um, Whitaker, I forget her. I'm sorry, I'm just having a weird day here out in California um, with and what she they were doing. And she wrote a response, a reputation of the uh, the original, we're talking about a report that was in <clears throat> something called the Cochrane Review, which uh, is a 
they're a group that sponsors research to put together a bunch of studies and do what's called a meta-analysis to see uh, what comes out in the, in the, in the uh, mix. <clears throat> and uh, the Cochrane Review published a review of the effectiveness of AA and TSF, which means 12-step facilitation, which is like your stand, you know, Betty Ford or Hazelton. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they claimed that it was effective focusing on a single variable and that variable what would you guess is the one thing AA is somewhat better at producing Monica a bunch of brainwashed robots I don't know well that came out that's actually visible in the research they produce more people who abstain compared to um, cognitive behavior therapies and other kinds of groups But they don't. The review itself said that they didn't produce people who dealt better with their lives. They didn't have better ongoing uh, functioning, A. And B, they didn't have less alcoholism because they were more likely to relapse. They had worse Mm -hmm. relapse. So the Mm -hmm. Review publishes this announcement. AA produces more people with continuous abstinence. Glory, hallelujah. And then if you keep reading in the review, it says, well, they didn't do better. They actually didn't even produce people that abstained more days um, because, and if you would have to guess why that would be, it would be because if you're in a group that's not crazed, if you have a glass of wine or you slip, mm-hmm. you know, you don't go all the way to the bottom of the treadmill. You know, you don't fall all the way down the ladder. Perhaps right. you're aware, Monica, in AA, if you have a single drink, mm-hmm. it's the same as if you go on a two-week bender. You're right. cashiered. You're all the way back at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't even they – did, they produced more continuous abstinence, but they didn't have more abstinent days. They didn't have – and, in fact, they seem to have the reverse of having better overall functioning, which is a pretty crucial variable. And, B, they didn't produce more resolution of alcohol dependence. They didn't get people out of being alcoholics. Um, and, in fact, they were more likely to have explosive, you know, big-time relapses. So if you read – not even reading between the lines, if you bothered to read the whole thing – you would end up saying, "There, this is something to brag about. This result, yeah. the fact that they coerced people into, you know, abstaining for a longer period of time straight, if they're lucky. Although then many relapse, but they don't actually produce better functioning human beings who are no longer alcoholics. Uh, who and then all the papers pick it up and say, hey, hey, proof successful at last." And in the second part, the piece I'm talking about appeared in a magazine called Filter Magazine. Mm-hmm. If you search my name, Stanton Peel and Filter Magazine, uh, you'll find uh, you'll find this piece, which is called. Uh, do you have the title there? Uh, Monica? I do. Yeah, yeah. I brought it out. So the piece is. Oh man, I put it in. You know, it was so weird because I was having so much trouble because of this COVID. God knows what. Uh, getting onto the link um, for, on my computer in my own house to the point that I was 
thought we were going to have to not have it. I couldn't even get on to Blog Talk Radio until like six minutes ago. So um, Thank God you got on. Yeah, thank God it did. But what I have is, uh, it's a really good title. <laughs> but no, I couldn't even get on it. So I had to have Walter, one of my I buddies got, in the group. Are you on it now? Are you on it now, Monica? <clears throat> oh, I can't find it. Like I've, I'm going to try now, but I couldn't get on to other things on my Internet. Okay, now it's working. Oh, my Lord. Thank I God. Feel, you know, it's made me so, so the crazy. title of the article is, So Alcoholics Anonymous is Proven to Work After All, Not So Fast. That's the I title. I love that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now I can well, see everything. Will, the editor, came up with this. I'm just... And they compared the result from the 2020 review to the 2006 review. So here I'm going to, um, this is like a a college board question. In Mm -hmm. 2006, the evidence suggests um, that no experimental studies demonstrated the effectiveness of AA approaches for reducing alcohol dependence or problems. That's what the Cochrane Review said in 2006. Mm-hmm. Now, in 2020, they said the evidence suggests that 42% of participants participating in AA would remain completely abstinent one year later compared to 35% of participants receiving other treatments. So that's a seven percentage point improvement. But do you notice they switched measures? They switched from functioning better and redu- and eliminating their alcoholism. That was in 2006 to, 220, to 2020, bragging about the fact that a minority of them were able to continue not to drink for one year. You see how hmm. they... They did a bait and switch, and so the real question is: there are several questions. Right. One question. One question. Well, here I'll give you the top three questions. Why the? This, are you a conspiracy theorist, uh, Monica? Do you think there's a conspiracy out there to preserve AA? <laughs> yes, actually, <laughs> it's not a conspiracy. It's just that they're so deeply embedded, very high up, and everywhere. That so it's not even a conspiracy. I could prove it to you, and we could have another talk about that. So, yeah, they want to. Keep why it do going. They, Why do people, otherwise rational people, who write articles for the New York Times or for USA Today, why are they taken in by this bullshit? Well, <clears throat> I have a theory. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, if somebody says, "Oh, AA saved my life," um, you, you can't argue with them. You can't say oh, you would have probably emerged from this otherwise. In fact, you might have uh, emerged from it quicker. If you didn't go to AA, you can't have that debate with somebody. You just say, well, bless your soul, I'm happy for you. You know what I mean? How do you, how do you argue how do with I somebody do? when they say, oh, AA saved my life? What do you, how do you respond to that? Um, I, I say you, you probably saved your life. You probably did the work. You, you saved your life. You made a choice. And that's the worst thing about AA. AA yes. makes you indebted to them. For saving your own life, that's the single worst thing right. about AA. Yeah, um, and you know what? Can I talk? Yeah, go ahead. And then there's a, a yeah, point that 
Yeah, so there's this point of when, like in your beginning part of your paper, though the coercion uh, that's going on and extortion that I've uncovered, especially in the last two, three years with professionals, is really disgusting. And this is pilots, and nurses, and doctors. And so what happens with these people, and if these numbers are counted, I don't know, they will lose their job. And um, if they not only don't go, and thank God for the coronavirus, because now there's no meetings for them to go to, right? They're virtual hey, now. Hey, but the coronavirus, very interesting, isn't it? But yes, go on, yes, yeah. Yes. They've had to, you know, we know some are not shut down, but that's another story. But the point being that you have people forced there. And like people like Brad Pitt was forced there by uh, the Department of uh, Child and Family Services. And so is the other actor, I think. Um, I can't remember his name right now, but he's super famous. Uh, these people are forced to go, and they're not only forced. So back, get back to the pilots, nurses, and doctors for the last four decades. You better talk that talk also, or you're not going to fly. So well, the ironic kind thing of, is, why, if AA is so – there's a show on MSNBC. It still might be going on. It was a several-part series by um, – uh, 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 a famous TV chef, um, <clears throat> and he talks about how AA and Hazelton saved his life 27 years ago. That's part really? one. Mm. And then he says, We have a worst addiction crisis. We're completely drowning in addiction now. So you have to ask the question if AA huh. is so great, AA is everywhere, and everybody's right. forced into AA. That's right. And everybody, right. Then why do we have? the worst addiction crisis ever. And later in the piece that I wrote, um, you might notice that I refer to, there's a global burden of disease study. The United, they looked at 165 countries around the world. That's a lot of countries. You and mm-hmm. I couldn't name a hundred countries. Mm-hmm. We couldn't name 60 countries. They're countries never heard of. Right. Rich countries, poor countries, countries that are war torn. And the United States had the second worst level of disability and death caused by drugs in the mm-hmm. world of 165 nations. Mm-hmm. So what we've got is a bunch of people saying, oh, like this guy on um, on MSNBC. Oh, my God. This is the, oh, shit. This is a guy that I saw on Bill Maher. I swear to God, I didn't know who he was. And he came and sat down, and he opened his mouth like not three sentences. This was a couple of weeks ago, and I said to Kevin, he's a fucking stepper. He's a fucking stepper. Look at the way Bill he talks. Maher, Look at this. Why does Bill Maher, who questions everything, why does Bill Maher, who questions everything, accept that bullshit from him? Why doesn't he look that gift horse in the mouth and say, you know, I don't, everybody's heard of AA. Everybody's heard of 12-step rehabs. But we're not doing very well in fighting addiction. Can you explain that contradiction to me? Yeah, he's got a um, good friend. He's got a really close friend who's a writer who uh, is an, he's a stepper with like 25 years. And so Bill is blinded by that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a oh, so Bill is... I got that close, you know, almost almost got to, you know, closer, but... Mm-hmm. And that's how, you know... That's how it is. He's just a friend. Mm-hmm. Even guys who don't believe in the disease theory, well, like, who are people that don't believe in the disease theory? Like... Johan Hari, his former partner, was in AA, so he's not allowed to talk out against it. It's almost like 
it's a sin to say something about AA. I quote Maya Solovitz for much of the past 50 years or so, voicing any serious skepticism towards Alcoholics Anonymous or any other 12-step program was sacrilege, the equivalent in polite company of questioning the virtue of American mothers or the patriotism of our troops. If your problem was drink, AA was the answer. If drugs, narcotics, anonymous. And if those programs didn't work, it was your fault. You weren't working the steps. The only alternative, as the 12-step slogan has it, was jails, institutions, or death. And the title of her piece was, after 75 years of Alcoholics Anonymous, it's time to admit we have a problem challenging the 12-step hegemony. We have a system. It's killing people. Mm-hmm. And yet everybody, to even question it's not forcing people into it, um, as I summarize in the article, I'm quoting myself, the presence of 12-step groups in every U.S. community is not succeeding by measures of life satisfaction, survival rates, or mortality due to drugs and alcohol. And in fact, the Cochrane study reviewed and revisited that and established that. How come, why are we sticking to something that is killing Americans? That's the, the strangest thing. Why, why do people stick to it, do you think, Monica? Why do I why think? Can't, because why is it, it's society no, it's, so committed to it? To it because it's in the lexicon so deep and in, permeates uh, now television and film. Uh, over the last three years, I would say that the amount of films – that and, and thread lines, uh, plot lines in TV shows just pro- proliferates, and it's just on and on and on, and you haven't had, like the voice got loud. You know, you've been around a long time, there were some other people around, and then I think when Gabrielle came around and she wrote her book and she got some, um, she definitely did, she got some like major press, and ProPublica wrote the piece in 48 hours, she helped with that, with me meeting the family to get that out there. Um, created something, right? It did. Uh, so, and there were all these people that were like talking about it. But we began to see it's almost like Screen Actors Guild. I'll give you an example. Years ago, they said, "Well, you know, if you want diversity, you guys need to write. All right, everybody who's black and brown, you guys need to start becoming writers, and then you'll see the storylines come." Okay, so we saw that happen, especially with African American and black writers and shows and storylines. But what happened here also were writers. Writers are, in, in L.A., uh, you know, it's like they have a writer's group. They have a, you know, they meet up. They go to these private home meetings. And they began to just really get in into these television shows. And TV and film is really the way that it gets there. However, we have also had senators since the beginning, right? So who is his name, uh, um, Howard, uh, no, the guy from... Very good, very good. Harold Hughes was the... Uh, Howard Hughes. Oh, my God. It was, you know what else, too, though? Like, okay, so I found that out, uh, you know, recently by, you know, Gabrielle had told me that. There was stuff in her book about that. But this last couple of years, I swear to you, just the last two, as I dug about, like, rehab and starting to expose that and, you know, really thinking about and making another film about that, is that I started to dig deeper again and find out, you know, that there were senators as far back as the beginning in the 40s who parents were, whose parent was in AA. And then if you look at the history of even Ohio, 
you had the Goodyear family. It was uh, Goodyear Tires and Firestone. These fuckers were in the Oxford movement. It would be like me saying Bill Gates is my uncle, my favorite uncle. And now we're going to like, we're going to, you know, we're going to launch a platform that's going to be science and doctors and medicine and even plant-based medicine to cure addiction in the United States. And that's how fucking big it was. Are you kidding? When I saw that, like, I was like, Firestone and Goodyear Tires people. You, and, and so the world was even smaller back then. They knew Ford, Henry Ford. Forget Rockefeller. And Rock, Rockefeller was huge. But when I saw even a previous link before Rockefeller with Firestone and um, Goodyear Tires, I went, okay, okay. And then the US of AA book came out. I read that. It was another whole deeper part of, you know, um, in our government. <clears throat> Stanton, then everybody, like I would talk to sane people that were, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s who would say, oh, what are you making? What film is that about? And I'd tell them. And if I said anything negative, it was like they would go, oh, my father, what are you talking about? My father is sober 25 years. And so all of a sudden, they went like to another person and they sounded like an evangelical, you know, and how dare I? And I really pushed the boundaries because I had nothing to lose and I don't care what happens in that world of Hollywood. But I do think that this virus is going to change the face of Alcoholics Anonymous like we have never seen. And they will never go back to their meetings the way they did before. And I feel I'm really right about this, that they will realize not need to go there. They do not need in-person meetings, and they will shrink by like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a soothsayer, but I I, I would say half half of them are going to go, what? You know, I'm kind well, of they have a, 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 and the name of the guy we were talking about on the MSNBC called What's Eating America is named Andrew Zimmern. And he's talking about how great AA and Hazleton are, and even though addiction is, he says, on the program, running out of control, and even though uh, working class white people's life spans are reversing, they're reduced now, um, he's not exactly, he came from a rich family, he's a gifted chef, and he would have recovered, like Maya Salovitz talks about herself recovering, anyhow, they didn't need AA, but now he's committed to AA forever, He's going to convince his children, I suppose, that they're alcoholics. Um, and, of course, they always hold out the hope when they, at the end of the show, they say, well, they're making great brain discoveries. They're going to find out the real cure for the disease, as though that hasn't been going on for 30 years, that, that line of crap. And so uh, we, we're sold on this thing, even as we're going over the cliff, even as he himself is admitting that we're – Drowning in addiction, he's there saying, "Well, the answer is AA and the twelve steps, or somewhere down." And they do those brain scans, and they say, "Oh, look, the frontal lobes," and they they talk that whole load of bullshit, and as they end up, America is a disease where we're our disease is being addicted to AA and the twelve steps. Our addiction is being addicted to the disease theory, and no amount of negative consequences. That's the remarkable thing. 
when I ask people in my audience, how are we doing with alcoholism and addiction? Nobody thinks we're doing well. And I say, well, why are so many of you, why are so many people committed to this theory? What is it about it? Why, why can't we escape it? Why can't we get our hands out of the molasses? Um, it is true since I've been around, you pointed out I wrote Love and Addiction in 1975 with Archie Brodsky. You know, I'm writing my memoir. Um, oh, you are? Monica. Good. It's called A Scientific Life on the Edge, um, My Struggle to Change Accepted Views of Addiction. Because, you know, I've been doing this for 50 years now. Um, and uh, the person who's helping me do it is Archie, who's a guy that I met in college. So we've been working together. We're both, he's 75, I'm 74. We've been working together now for, um, let me see, almost 60 years now. We're, we're approaching 60 years. <clears throat> and I've been having, I've been fighting this fight. Every single thing that I've predicted has come true. For example... In 1975, I wrote, addiction is not something that emanates from drugs and alcohol can occur in any part of your life. In 2013, the American Psychiatric Association manual, DSM, for the first time recognized addiction is taking place with things other than substances. It's called gambling addicted. I'm the one who says the most important determinants of addiction and not escaping addiction are your social situation, what options you have in life, what opportunities you have. And lately, mm-hmm. Nora Volko, the head of the NIDA, has been sort of talking about that. How can people oh, really? get out in the inner city of mm-hmm. addiction if they're worried about their lives and living and having uh, a place to sleep and having health care? And that's why we're seeing this for the first time. That's spreading to the working class and rural whites where there's a new book out uh, called Deaths of Despair by two economists at Princeton, and they talk about how for the last three years, for the first time since we've been recording this information, um, white working-class people's lifespans have been declining due to three primary things, alcohol, drugs, and suicide. And, And... so I ask a rhetorical question in my piece for Filter. I say, is the problem West Virginia is the poorest country, of uh, the poorest state in the United States, and they have the highest death rate due to drugs, 71 per 100,000. It's more than 10, a, a margin of more than 10 deaths per 100,000 greater than Ohio, which is number two. And I say, is the problem that West Virginia doesn't have enough AA groups and 12-step therapy programs? Is that what the problem is? And when you put no. it that way, everybody knows that's ludicrous. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, it's great for Brad Pitt to go to an AA meeting. You know what I mean? Uh, he's rich. He's got time on his hands. He can afford to go. Not to really, but he's he not going to a real meeting, you know, Stanton. What's he's he going doing? to a meeting up at Mulholland where there's six guys, you know, who are all successful, either writer and actors, and you know, that other actor, Bradley Cooper, now, you know, he's best friend, besties with him because he's such a brainwashed stepper. And, uh, you know, he's not well, going that's into my a joke, normal meeting. You know, my what? joke is, I mean, when you hear my joke about recovery is I, Nick Sheff is the guy who was a beautiful boy. Yeah. Um, 
so I, I do my lectures. I do my lecture. Boy, it's too bad a rich, well-off, well-educated kid like that should die due to drugs. And then I pause, and I, I said, well, of course, he didn't die. He wrote a bestseller, and now he goes around giving lectures. Um, and then, of course, on getting back uh, to Andrew Zimmern's show, he interviewed um, the guy at Hazleton, William Moyers, and William Moyers came from a rich family, and then he became head of public relations at Hazleton, and then he wrote a couple bestsellers. So I say, don't you see, that's the problem with people in West Virginia and inner city Baltimore. They just don't have the initiative to go out and write a bestseller and get over, and that's, and that's how to get into recovery. The joke being, privileged people... Are, rare, are much less likely to become addicted. But when they do become addicted, they have a path out. They have a way out. They have a support system. They have a way of making a living, of uh, gaining esteem. They have skills. They've gone to good schools. Um, and those are actually the solutions to addiction, not going to some group, but having right. personal resources and back, skills. Right. Yeah, getting your life back. Like Brad Pitt and his group. I mean, Brad Pitt's a guy. When you think he's not going to end up in the street, really, he's going to. You right. know, he's got a lot going for him, and he hangs out with a lot of rich guys with a lot of talent. He's very mm-hmm. talented. That's right. And he's yeah. very recognized. They, they don't. They're. They would have gotten better on their own. They are getting better on their own, but they advertise, like you say, with Bill Maher that AA. That what of course, what about Philip Seymour Hoffman? He was going to AA when he died, which is as mm-hmm. common as it's. It's almost like the only way you can fail in certain strata of life is if you end up at AA. It's the it's the route to death, even for it's some pretty, rich yeah. people and some talented people. Yeah, so there's, Monica, there's a long list. You, yeah. Do you drink alcohol, Monica? Yeah, yeah, I drink now. Mm-hmm. Thank God. I'm a normal why? drinker. You know how long I've been I've been imbibing for, uh, let's see, 2000. I left in 2011 early. It was about 14 months later I had a drink. So it's not even 10 years now that you've been out of AA. It, it's really close, right? It's 20. I'll be, it's nine years uh, that I've been gone. And, you know, I even don't use you the You still have a celebration. I will, yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's coming up. In nine years, I will be in April. I'll have left and walked out and, you know, began my process. I met you early on, very, very early on. I don't think I drank yet anything when I met you. But um, I'm a very mild, moderate drinker, naturally. And um, there's a lot of people who, who are leaving in droves. We see them all in my Facebook groups. I've got like six Facebook Well, they groups. are. AA membership has declined. Nobody in the world. Even if you ask Halpern, if you ask, well, Brad Pitt tends to be less aggressive than Halpern. If you said, is AA and 12-step really solving our addiction problems? Do you really think that we need more? Is the problem in America that we don't have AA and 12 groups and 12-step rehabs? Is that the problem with America now in terms of – nobody believes that anymore. So since I began 45 years ago – with Love and Addiction, was published in 75. Everybody sort of understands 
that AA is not the holy grail. Even if, you can always say, okay, if that guy went to AA, God bless him, let him go. Virtually everybody understands now that that's not the solution for everybody and for society's addiction problems. Um, and their membership is declining. Of course, it's, I don't, mm-hmm. it shouldn't disappear. Churches shouldn't disappear. If people want to go there and they find that positive and reassuring, let them go. It's a free country. But everybody knows. Don't, if you ask a man in the street, do you think, Monica, do you think AA and the 12 steps is going to solve our alcoholism and addiction problems? If you ask them that, is there anybody who's really going to say yes now? Uh, it's going to solve all of our problems with drugs and alcohol. Does anybody believe that anymore? Uh, yeah, I think there are people that still do, unfortunately. And, uh, regular but, novel people. Bill Maher. Ask your Hollywood connections to ask Bill Maher if he thinks AA and 12 Steps are the solution. That's the question. Let's put it out there. Is AA, are AA and the 12 Steps... The uh-huh. solution to America's addiction problems. You should make that a topic and send it out there. Does anybody believe that? I mean, they have been around. Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. I'm writing it down. For quite a long time, haven't they? Yeah, say it again, Stan. Uh, I'm going to write it down. What was are AA and the 12 steps the solution for America's addiction problems? Just ask that to anybody. Ask that to somebody in AA. Mm-hmm. Because while they're, how can they say yes? Cause, I mean, you know, after you ask that question, even they can't just say yes. Because then your next follow-up would be, how are we doing with alcohol and drugs right now in America? And nobody thinks we're doing well. And then your next question would be, well, what's the hang-up there? What's the hold-up? Because AA and the 12 Steps have been around for quite a long time, haven't they? Since 1939, yeah. on the one hand. Yeah. And they've been totally dominant. People are forced into them every time, all over the country. Yeah. They're forced into them. And then you can say, people, so many people are coerced into it. It's been around forever. You can always find an AA chapter. How come our addiction problems seem to be getting worse? Is AA, um, is what well, I think part of it. Well, okay. Here, here's what I think part of it is that in the '80s um, they started a thing where they told people that there was such a thing as an alcohol. Um, use the word I hate, an alcoholic personality, and people who were in foster care or were teenagers were told that, and so you had the beginning of a sort of priming uh, teenagers who were told this sort of right. thing, and they are younger than me. So I'm, you know, was in more of the 60s when AA came into my freaking grammar school. And then, so you had this period of time where there was the brainwashing of Well, they still have people. that. They teach the brain disease theory in junior high school now. Um, they have recovery high schools now. They get kids, teenagers now and they convince them that they're addicts and alcoholics for the rest of their lives that that, that brainwashing takes place throughout america 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's very young. Right, and it goes, uh, it's just terrible, Stanton. But then what happened is that all of those of us who were boomers, so say my generation, who became parents, who were steppers, and trust me, I know too many of my friends from Inwood, from New York, um, who became steppers, um, who sent their kids there. And then their children became, you know, like, oh, my kid is sober or whatever, and they're, you know, they're in AA, and I mean, there, so you have a whole generation that was brainwashed from the time, you know, in their household, which is very scary. Well, Halpern, has, uh, he referred to his children. So, of course, of course, nobody questions somebody like that. But I would say, what do you teach your children about alcohol? You know, uh, I would guess he's Jewish. You know, I'm Jewish. One of the best things about the, the Jews say a prayer to alcohol, you know, um, the first prayer that they say it. Have you been to many brises, Monica? You know what a no, bris no. is? No, I haven't been to a that. A bris no. is a ritual circumcision for a Jewish boy. Oh my God! And okay, yeah. The first prayer they say over a Jewish baby is the prayer for wine, and they put wine on his lips after they um, sanctified him. Um, after they've circumcised them. So, and maybe, have you been to any Passover dinners lately? No, but I, I've been to a couple of, uh, sur- you know, dinners in people's houses, which were very nice. They were Jewish friends of mine. And they, who give, and they pass it. wine around to even five-year-old children Jews right. do. Right, right. So I would say to Halpern, um, um, how, what are you teaching your children about alcohol? Are you teaching them Never, because one of his big innovations in cooking is to make sure that no alcohol is used. Through all of civilization, we've had. Oh, alcohol. is this for? It's Zimmerman. Is this the guy Zimmerman? His name's Zimmerman. Z. It's got a unusual name. Z i m m e r. Oh, okay. So, oh, that. Okay, Half the Andrew, show was it, about how he was saved in AA and alcohol. Okay. Really? How are you? How are you? Stomach watching that? I mean, what, what is it on? I have to like check it well, out I for homework. To, I have to swallow my pride and. Keep up with things. The question, Throw tomatoes course, at it. That's pretty awful. I'm going no, to take a look at it. I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you'll have to. There's one session on addiction. It's like a five or six part series. I think the third one was on on addiction. Well, I'm writing my memoir, and uh, to well, how have I survived both financially and emotionally fighting the disease theory of addiction? For 50 years How do you think I've done it, Monica? Well By writing By using your words and your skill to write To sort of as a As a a sword So to speak Yeah, Have have you done it? You know, I think you've used your words That's hard to make a lot of money that way Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe some kind of Maybe Johan Hari can do that But it's hard to do to make a living that way. And how, what about the emotional abuse? You get a little bit of emotional abuse, but I've been, I've been assaulted forever for, um, for having my views on AA. And a, a mutual friend of ours, you saw her assault me because um, I can't take, take Gabor Mate's new version of the disease theory, which is if you have childhood difficulties and childhood trauma, that changes your brain. It's the new disease theory, and then you can never get over it. Mm-hmm. And um, 
we had a mutual friend who that was her view. Well, that wasn't her view. She didn't accept that, but she loved Gabor Monte. And I say, well, he's just a new version of the disease theory. So I'm now attacked more by Gabor Monte advocates. Many of them are in L.A. than I am by AA advocates. AA, I know AA is not as strong as it used. To. I guess I'm attacked more by uh, trauma, this trauma disease people than I do now by AA disease people. Um, well, yeah, I've never really liked Gabor Mate myself. I saw his stuff early on when I met um, some people that you know we both know, and I I was like, why why is he so popular? I don't like he's uh, you know. And he's a great whole, AA fan. And he's a great well, there's too many people that are not traumatized that have. I mean, yeah, there are some right, Stanton, but if you address the trauma uh, with some, it does. Oh, you know what? It's just it's just not true. And for those of us, it was true. I quit on my own anyway. And I'm not even one who is a good example because I was I was never addicted to alcohol. But I think that AA fails miserably for you know people who really are addicted, who really are there, and they go to those meetings. And I watched women come and go where they didn't pray right, they didn't get it right. They should work the steps better. Maybe you'd be more of service better. And that's sort of horseshit. Well, what kind of therapy does it make sense for you? I have a great, um, I have a great line in there. I'm sure you read it. Um, I, uh, um, where does it make sense to tell people to focus on their worst parts of their lives? Where does it make sense to tell people, um, you know, you've got a lifetime disease? Where, how, where does that make? Um, no, never. Never. So I wrote and, in the piece that we talked about. Um, I was talking. The, the, the main author is John Kelly, um, and he and he admitted. Well, there's nothing unique to AA. If it gets some, as though it's got some sort of magic. If it does anything, it helps people with strong social supportive networks. And then in the piece I write, community and purpose are critical to overcoming addiction, as I have often written. And these can be found in many ways that don't require the admission of powerlessness over a substance, penance for all your past sins, or the belief that you have a disease you are ready to relapse into at any moment. You can get group support. You can deal with your problems in life without being sold your powerlessness, your need to make amends for everything you've done wrong in your life, and the feeling that you have a lifetime of disease is just about to clobber you. When you had a drink, were you uh, nervous? No, I knew I'd be fine. You you were pretty confident where you were at in life. Yeah, I was. I was very confident. I mean, 37 years not drinking anything, and I also, I I had the first drink by mistake um, at a party when I took it. I thought it was lemonade, but uh, I had already been thinking about that I could taste something. This shows how the brain was starting to unbrainwash or if you, you know, deprogramming is that I would say, oh, I wonder what that would taste like now. That's all I thought, you know? And I didn't think, oh, I want to get drunk. Oh, I, I need like 10 drinks. I was like, gee. And then, then the next thought, and this is, was really freeing. I said, oh my God, I'm not in AA. I can do whatever the fuck I want now. And then I went... And you didn't have, and you, and you didn't have, 
what they told remember what they told you in AA that even when yeah. you weren't drinking your yeah. disease was out the parking lot doing right. that wasn't lingering in the back of your brain somewhere no and I'll tell you why because when I was 19 my first sponsor told me that I had about a year and a half whatever sobriety and she said she she said something like that and I looked at her and I said what what did you say to me and I was like that's nuts and that's not true. I said, so when you're telling me that I'm sober and I'm getting better and better, although there's a part of me that got worse and worse, actually, in the second half of my first year, in through 18 months, up until two years, as they tried to destroy me, as they tried to beat me down psychologically and break me, which they did. And um, so that is also Were you always kind of rebellious, Monica? Were you always somewhat rebellious that you weren't a go-along person? Is that true? Uh, yeah, I was sort of a, I was a leader as a child. I was a leader. I was not a follower. See, I'd like to get you not in the wrestling ring with Andrew Zimmern, not Zimmerman, Zimmern. I'd like you to say to him, he now has two children. He hasn't had a drink in 27 years. And you you were thinking you hadn't had a drink in how many years was it? Uh, uh, 37. 36 in AA, 37 I didn't have a drink. And you thought, um, gosh. I've changed a little in life. I'm a little more secure. Did you have that kind of thought? I'm not the girl I was when I joined AA. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought, well, I felt that way. I had done a lot of therapy when I was 15 years sober and 33 years old, and I had gotten to some real core issues uh, that happened in my childhood and as a teenager, and I felt really transformed, and I had done marriage counseling. I would, you know, work other work. I had realized that AA 12 You're still didn't... happily married, right, Monica? Y- yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to someone else, but I've been married. I've been with him for 18 years now. So the first one was so 17. You got, and... you formed some stable relationships. Yes. Some uh-huh. friendships. Yes. You know what's good about you. You know, maybe you know what's a little bit bad about you, but you you settled. You accept yourself now. You know what I mean. You know yes. who you are. Yes. Right. If you talk to Andrew Zimmern, wouldn't you say, after twenty-seven years with two children, you think that if you had like a some uh, dessert with rum in it, that you would run off and go back to being a her? He was a drug addict along with it, a drug addict and alcoholic. You believe that, really, Mister Zimmern? Is that how you really think of the world? It's crazy. They they convince you. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm going to have to reach out to him. You will. But that's the great Monica. I uh, thank God you know how to drink and you saw that about yourself. That's your greatest gift to humanity. I think so. You you realize that you were a person. You had a little. You had some bad events in your background and who hasn't um you know uh monica i only had one brother and he committed suicide oh wow so you know we all have our little and actually i've seen um brad uh pitt say that he says everybody's got everybody's got their tragedies in life you know what i mean then nobody escapes here unscathed but despite whatever deficiencies in your background you had, whatever flaws you have in your character now, you're a respected person. You respect yourself. You know what you can do. You know what your skills are. You know how to form stable relationships. That's what being human means. 
to come to grips with yourself, to accept yourself, to learn your goods and your bads, and to make peace with yourself in the world. And you've done that. And along with that, you've recognized that you can drink some wine without going crazy, that Mm -hmm. it's not a part of your character that made you an alcoholic or whatever problems you had with substances, that you are a developmental, uh, a growing human being that was capable of change. And that's your greatest gift to yourself, to the people you talk to, and to humanity. You don't I don't know if you follow any religion or Buddhism, but you've made the most of your time on earth. You've got a purpose and you have a way of going forward entire in yourself. That's the best thing you you've done in life. Uh, so I'm you. here to I'm not a part of any uh, religious group, but I'm gonna uh, benedi- I'm gonna give you a benediction anyhow. Uh, <laughs> Monica Richardson, we uh, who are uh, in charge crown you as having <laughs> lived a successful life, and you're still living it. You're still learning. You're still changing. How old are you, Monica? Sixty-two. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think of you as such a kid, for God's sake. Yeah, me too. I can't. Uh, I, when I say that, I go, no, it's not possible. You know, I feel like I'm really. Well, when you said, but... um, when you say you didn't have a drink for 37 years, I go, how's that possible? She must be that only. How could she do that? That that would make her 60 years old, for God's sake. Um, right. Yeah. And the correct mm-hmm. answer is you're 60 years old. Yeah. It's the correct. It's yeah. the same way people react when I say I wrote Love and Addiction in 1975. How's that possible that I'm still around? Uh, Kicking shit and getting into trouble, as in. Uh, how, old, how old are you then? How old are you now? Seventy-four. Seventy-four. We're not done yet. So here's one of the things that I didn't ask you because I know you're so busy. But when I saw this happen, this New York Times thing, and then read it, I said, "Okay, we need a petition." And I wrote a petition. I just like I, I threw up onto a piece of paper my ideas. And then I'm going to have other people make it a better petition. And it's going to go to the seven largest newspapers after people. Why don't you, uh, you never do this for me. Why don't you mention my piece and say, why don't you read this piece and interview Stanton Peel to get an alternative position? Because I'm the one who's best, one of the best suited for expressing it, both in writing and orally. So when you, well, I really, along with the petition, say, cop, uh, I can close a copy of my piece. Don't you think? Yeah, well, I think so. I think yours, and I think we need some, you know, I hate to say this, don't get offended, but we need some younger and we need some women. And so there are a couple of oh, women. Oh, I'm 100% with you. Need, uh, Teresa Rodden is somebody that I know wrote a book, Perfect. and even the uh, the Holly Whitaker who created a thing that she so you know, uh, hip sobriety and, uh, you know, People, we don't agree on everything, but we agree on like 98% of the stuff, you know, which is good. And I think you just need some young people uh, and different Absolutely. You know, whether it's the Freedom Model or the I, new book I, that you uh, wrote by the with. Way, you know, I'm, my last book you didn't mention is yes, like called um, yeah. Outgrowing Addiction with Common Sense Instead of Disease Therapy. And I wrote that with a man named Zach Rhodes. He's not a woman, but he is younger than me. Yes, yeah, Zach and I, we're going to so do a show. We kept, we kept putting it off, but we are going to definitely do a show. And I, but that, that's my important. Age. 
Yes, and it's good that you, I think you partnered with um, somebody younger so that the voice can be heard, you know, for the younger people as well. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, yeah. My problem I, in life isn't that I have too many people supporting me, young and old, Monica. That's not my problem in life. So go, recruit as many as you want, absolutely. Yeah, I, I will, um, I will. Yeah, it's so important. So let me just tell everybody, I, I, I didn't do what I normally do, so let me just at least show those who are listening, we've been talking to Stanton Peel, and Stanton Peel as an author of all these different books that I posted them up there, and this new one with Zach Rhodes and has a life process program. And you are an attorney and you are a clinical psychologist, right? I uh, I'm a retired licensed psychologist. I retired when I left New Jersey, but yeah. <clears throat> okay. I have are a you in psychology? I'm an attorney, and uh, I was an attorney. I've written 14 books. I'm writing my memoir, and I have the online life process program. And some of my coaches are Zach is one. Uh, another great one is Dolores Cloward, who is uh, always a very central figure in smart recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, half of my coaches are women because uh, you have to have that. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, they bring so much to the table, but. You know, some people are going to be more comfortable talking to women. Not only women, but certainly women should have that option. Um, for example, a woman just wrote in because her she had two children die around drugs, and she feels guilty about that. And well, Zach, I recommended both Zach and another one of my counselors is named Ann Earl. Uh, they are the kind of sympathetic people that can talk with someone mm-hmm. about how addictions not the, the danger for somebody in a situation like that whose children has died. How do I not feel guilty about that? How do I come to grips with that? And our message telling people they didn't die of a disease. They died of a normal but negative life path, and we know you did the best you could, and we want you to think sensibly about yourself and your own life and your children's life as best you can. We weren't there to help you go through that situation, although people can get involved with the life process. It's the life process program, lifeprocessprogram.com, and talk to these sensitive coaches when they're engaged in issues with their own children but uh i'm i'm 100 percent certainly about preserving my point of view through younger people extending it through women who have their own gift for reaching out to people um that some of which i don't have i have the brilliant insights and the bravery and the guts and the endurance but I think some people have a softer, caressing touch than I do, and I'm glad that they're. Uh, I'm glad to share the stage and the platform with them and reaching out to people. And you also are a great writer. You're really prolific, and I see how fast you write sometimes if something's going on in the world. And and there you go, and then out a piece comes, and and I think it's very important. Or say I don't have that skill. I think I have it with the people that one-on-one who leave AA and the connection that I have and never, you know, blaming them or it just there's something goes on with ex-steppers with me that's a really positive thing. 
but we do need good writers. And I'm just looking at, I want to just promote your um, your little platform here as I see it, Life Process Program, life-changing treatment for only 59 a month. And I think this is nice because people come even into the groups that need to talk to people. So it's uh, very reasonable. There's eight different modules. I'm looking at it here. Dedicated coach throughout the program. Um, option to upgrade to face-to-face coaching. And so if you take a look, if you're out there, uh, even if you're a family member. And, then, and we have a plot, separate platforms for drugs and alcohol. We have it for love and sex and uh, the fetus relationships. We have it for gambling and eating. We have we apply a life process program, which is about connecting to life. That's the most important ingredient in getting over, which is what you've done, Monica. Wow. And we have a group of coaches mm-hmm. who – one way or another, are very empathic with that process through their own life experience, and they can help guide people without thinking of themselves as having a disease towards improving their lives in a way that will help them reduce their addictive reliance. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, it's really been uh, good talking to you. It's been too long. Uh, I'm going to start doing shows as I'm, you know, we're not, uh, I'm such a stickler about words, so we're not in you know, lockdown, right? We're asked to do a stay-at-home order, and uh, but I'm an outdoor they lock person. You and uh, how far from LA do you you live outside of LA? Do you? No, I'm right in West LA. So it's like in 12 minutes, I can be in, on the beach and riding my bike along the bike path. And uh, so I'm in Brooklyn. Uh, we're through the modern miracles of Brooklyn. You and I have met in Manhattan, where you interviewed me. We've met on the boardwalk. Was maybe Santa Monica. That was We've maybe had, Manhattan Beach, yeah, south of here. Mm-hmm. And where do we have Japanese food? What was that? What town was that? That was was that L.A. or West L.A.? Remember? Oh Me, yeah. You and your husband. Oh, that's right. Uh, that was Santa Monica. That was Santa Monica. Ah, uh, I knew we were in Santa Monica. So yeah. you and I are now coping with. Um, well, like you say, it's it's going to create some new. And my life process program. We've been online for. 10 years, so we know how to do online therapy. But you and I, uh, they don't fly anymore, do they, Monica? Uh, God willing, we'll meet again, right? Besides, I, I uh, hope so. Online. I hope so that we we do, that uh, that this will be over fast and as fast as in Wuhan, and um, that America doesn't get crazier than even the Chinese never closed down their whole country. Never. They closed down Wuhan and a few other cities. So we're a little bit, it's a little over the top here for me. But anyway, I want to just, I am talking to Stanton Peel. I want to thank you. He wrote, so Alcoholics Anonymous is proven to work after all. Not so fast is this article that is on Filter Mag. And the new book that you just did with Zach, uh, Zach Rhodes and the title. I Outgrowing, just want to do a little addiction. Outgrowing, Outgrowing Addiction. Outgrowing Addiction. Outgrowing Addiction. With Common and Sense. And Instead I hope of disease therapy, yeah. <laughs> it's available on Amazon, Kindle and paperback. So I look forward to talking to you again, Stanton, and I'll let you know how things go with uh, the petition that I'm going to make and uh, send out to everybody. And you and I have been around forever, and we'll, you know, probably live forever, or at least for a few more years. A few more All right, years. Monica, love you. Right. Bye-bye now. God bless. Thank you, and thank you, everybody, for listening. See you again soon. Take care, everybody. Good night.